I've built like a skateboard ramp for my kids. It was a pretty poor ramp, to be honest. But the delight on their face, and they're still skating on it. Walking and hiking and going to places where I actually have to walk up a hill because it's pretty flat here. I'm booked to go and climb Kilimanjaro. I want to spend it on studying. I really wanted to take up paddleboarding. While you're at work all week, slogging it out by day five, the people you just heard from are spending time doing exactly what they want. Why? Because they took part in the biggest trial to date of the four-day working week, which ran from June to November 2022. And it's happened right here in the UK. Let's see what else they've been up to. I've just started learning piano. I love it. I want to become grade eight one day. My children are growing up now. They work in retail. I very rarely see them on a Saturday or Sunday because they tend to be at work. So I get to spend more time with them. Take my dog out for longer walks and really getting into my fitness and stuff. Laundry, gym, tan, LGT. It's the sort of stuff that you either put off completely because you get to the weekend and you go, oh, it's the weekend, I'll just leave it, and then it never gets done. This week on Working It with me, Isabel Berwick, we're doing something different. For the past six months, Emma Jacobs, FT feature writer and columnist and friend of the podcast, has been following four different companies as they take on a radical experiment during the second half of 2022. In this special four-part miniseries, which we are, of course, running daily over the course of a four-day week, you'll hear from Emma as she talks to business owners and employees at four companies taking part in the trial. We'll meet the participants in the start and the end of the trial, and we'll ask whether we're all about to see the biggest change to our working hours since carmaker Henry Ford introduced the five-day week in his factories almost a century ago. Emma, I realise you're deep into this four-day week rabbit hole now, but for those less familiar with the concept, what is the four-day week and how did this enormous trial come about? So the trial's been organised by a non-profit called Four Day Week Global, and they've made it their mission to make the four-day week the new way of working life. And they've set up this trial to find out whether it can work in action and learn from other companies that have done it before and also share best practice between them. It's the largest pilot of its kind with 70 companies and 3,300 employees. Other trials are running in Ireland, the US, Australia and New Zealand. But really, it's about the enthusiasm for trying new things after the pandemic showed us we could actually work from home en masse. Yeah. So what sort of companies signed up for this? Who did you decide to follow? I picked four out of the 70 to show a mix of sectors. So I met Hutch, a games company based in London, Stella Asset Management, a small financial services company which used to be run out of Oxford Street in central London, Yo Telecoms, a small telecoms company headquartered in Southampton, and Platens, a fish and chip business in Norfolk on the coast. Not just because I like fish and chips, but also because it wasn't office-based. Yeah, did you get free chips while you were there? I paid for them, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a bit more about who we're hearing from in this first episode. So the first company I'd like to introduce you to is Hutch, a games development company in East London. What's interesting about this company is that even before the pandemic, they were doing hybrid, which then gave them a competitive edge. This is Sean, the CEO of Hutch. We kept this actually quite top secret because we thought it was quite a mad idea. No game developers at the time did this. Tuesdays and Thursdays would work from home. We were like 150 people. So it was at quite a large scale sort of hybrid working situation. The core of it was that we trust the staff. And then the pandemic comes along. A lot of my competitors have gone full remote. 
I was speaking to a friend and they said, oh, you know, your hybrid thing, man, that's just happened now, that's just a thing. I think in 10 years' time, four-day work week could be viable. So as hybrid working became the norm in a lot of other places, Hutch decided to trial the four-day week to be able to offer something new. With the gaming industry facing staff shortages, Sean hopes that the four-day week might help Hutch attract and keep talented people, but it's not straightforward. There's definite issues. There's anxiety, people are stressed about trying to do five days on four. There are some staff that are worried about their social time with their teammates. Work is more than just a place you come and do work. It's actually a social place for a lot of people. And then I get people coming back and saying, it is stressful, but actually I don't mind the stress because I get the Friday off. Sean there is articulating my own biggest issue with the four-day week, this sort of attempt to cram five days' work into four days and the associated stress. And Emma, we've both done that while working part-time. You, I think you still do it. But what's different here with the four-day week concept? Well, I guess that it's universal. So often when people take part-time work in a full-time company, they have to prove themselves and it's almost like a kind of favour, whereas here it's a given. Yeah, and do you think this worry about workload that I have and lots of other people clearly have, does that mean we're currently not working as effectively as we should? Could the four-day week actually help us to think about being more productive? I mean, it is a big ask to cram five days' work into four. And if you are doing a four-day week on four days' pay, why should you work the fifth day? So that is a big change. But I think that as an exercise, it's a really useful way of looking at how you spend your days. Yeah. And I guess the big thing we're going to hear about is trust. Trust is a big thing. What Sean said to me was something about if you can't trust people to work effectively, how can you trust them to work at all? So the formula for all participants on the trial is that in return for 100% of pay, workers have to do 100% of the work in 80% of the time. So when he originally suggested the idea, his enthusiasm was tempered by his colleagues' reaction. I got feedback straight away going, this is a crazy idea. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. It's a bit of a mental shock to people. People are like, oh, so you're going to dock our pay? It's like, no, you're going to get the same pay. Oh, OK, so we're going to work 10 hours a day? It's like, no. I think some people couldn't quite believe it. We've got customers to impress and we've got shareholders to deliver for, so we have to do the work and we have to do great work. We are owned by a public listed business. They were very supportive of a trial, but we have to prove to them that the trial works. I think they're excited to see what the results are. They now understand it's about having more energy and actually being more compressed and focused. I'm an optimist, so I'm constantly focused about how we can make this work. But I'm also realistic. If it's not working, then we have to stand up and say we're going back. I'm not ashamed of trying. Like That's the coolest thing about this business is we keep trying at things and we win half the time. I really like Sean's honesty there. He's going into it with a very open mind. Was that something that you found in all the companies? It's a self-selecting experiment. So they're enthusiastic and they're keen that it works. And they're very clear that they have to make it work financially. When I was talking to Sean over a longer time period, he kept bringing up this isn't a hippie, airy-fairy thing. So I think, you know, the idea that this isn't about hard business metrics would be very unfair. So I'm intrigued by this fish and chip shop you visited. What was the deal there and who did you meet? So I first visited the fish and chip shop Plattons in Wells Next to Sea in Norfolk on the east coast of England in the first few weeks of them starting the trial. 
And I guess one of the biggest differences with Platons compared to the others that I'm speaking to is that the shop and the restaurant are open seven days a week with long days, very different to office workers. And like many in the hospitality industry, staff retention can be a problem. So they're doing this experiment partly as a way to see if they can retain staff better? or Yeah, exactly. But I mean, also, I think there's other issues like they want their workers to be able to see their families. Anyway, maybe better to hear from Luke Platten, whose grandparents started it in 1966, and it's been in the family ever since. Hi, Emma. How's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yourself? I started thinking there's got to be a better way. So many of us have all felt that we've missed these life's milestones, having to work the summers, the weekends, when everybody else has such a large proportion of their time off. All of the employees, they all have a different purpose to why they've joined us, whether they are here just for the summer. And that's one of the measures we're actually looking at during the four-day week, is staff retention. I first visited the company in the early weeks, and then the trial seems to be working well for them. So somebody that's on a 40-hour contract, we're looking at squashing that down on average to 32. Now, somebody that would be on 20 hours, say, we're looking at 16. And so far, it's been a huge success. Like we say, we know during our peak times, we can't control how many people come through the door, but they're generally only between 12 and 2 and 5 and 8. So the challenge is before in between and after that to think more productively, to set up for the next day, to help each other out. So do you think this could be a particular boon for the hospitality industry, Emma? It's a challenge because you need to cover the hours, but it's potentially one way of looking at staff retention and recruitment, which, as Luke said, is really hard. I mean, they're looking at other measures, which are predictable shifts, living wages and staff development, which are also other factors in the hospitality industry. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I'm really pleased to hear that. And then you went to see a very different company on the south coast of England. So the next company I went to visit was Yo Telecoms in Southampton. Like Platons, it's not a nine-to-five business. In fact, Yo is open 24-7. Give us a bit of an overview of Yo. They're based in a small industrial unit outside the city centre. It's a very young company. There's only a few people with children. Often when we talk about shortening work hours, it's to do with caring responsibilities And when I spoke to people about what they were going to do in their days off, it was more focused on socialising and health and fitness and seeing their family, like going to see their parents. They're very social and they've got ping pong table and pool table. And who are the key players there? Who are we going to hear from? The first person I met who gave me a tour of the building was CEO Nathan. He loves boats and said he wanted to spend his days off reading about business development and being on the sea. He's got a tattoo of his co-founder, Ryan, on his arm. And Ryan sadly died in an accident in 2018. And he's got tattoos of his family. Love a tattoo. We don't use a call centre. We don't use anyone that's not actually employed directly by the company. So we just have someone manned at all times at a desk working through tickets night and day. There was a bit of confusion at the start when Nathan first announced the idea of the four-day week trial. There was probably like 75% of people that understood it clearly and there was maybe 25% of people that thought they're just going to be given a free day (laughs) and with no extra input. I asked him how he was organising the four-day week. It's going to have to split on the department basis. 
any of our customer service teams or customer facing we're big enough that we can just do split shifts during the week so i think we're going to be a bit flexible there and just say look what works for you as an individual and as long as you're activating it that's then your day it's still 8 30 to 5 30 is literally just the fifth day however that works Yo was thinking about implementing the four-day week in a way that was different. Employees have to earn their day off. And I think our biggest thing, and especially for me and a lot of the other leadership team, was when we all of a sudden realised that there's not clear KPIs for some departments. And it's like, all right, cool, how do you do that? Unless they're hitting the numbers, then they don't get the four-day work week. So you kind of can't really lose on it. But they're not going to have to hit it this month and then if they don't, they go back to five-day week. Yes, they, they will, yes, and that's the big part of it. So it's just all in their own hands. So Nathan's talking about KPIs there, or key performance indicators, and those are the targets that staff have to set and then meet to earn their days off. So could it be that different departments are doing five days and four days, depending? Definitely, yeah, and different staff within a department as well. She may have colleagues that are hitting it and colleagues that aren't. And I think it will probably be a very big motivator if you're not and your colleagues off every single month on that fifth day. Wow, that's quite radical. Do you think it's fair to make people earn this day off, Emma? So I spoke to Sean about it at Hutch and he thought that in a company like his it wouldn't work and maybe other companies would feel the same. You know, that your performance does fluctuate from month to month and maybe it's not fair to penalise people on the basis of a month. But if you're working in a sales company, I guess that might be slightly different. Do you think people will get a chance to prove themselves the next month if they don't make it the first month? Is it a sort of rolling thing? That was the idea, yes. So some of the departments that have it very clearly set out are going live this month. It's going to go live for everybody apart from our engineering department because that one we haven't quite ticked off yet and we just couldn't possibly do it as a business. Is it like apples and pears? How can you measure different departments' productivity or have they got things in place to ensure this? I think it is apples and pears. It's hard to benchmark some jobs against other jobs and sales is pretty easy. You know that how many sales you're meant to hit. It's much harder for other departments, human resources... You know, is it how many wellness surveys you send out? Is it recruitment changes month to month? How do you do that on a kind of rolling basis? And also one of the things that we spoke about was how you get people excited once you've articulated their KPIs. If it's just send out X amount of surveys, is that going to motivate you? Let's see what Nathan has to say. Marketing's been the hardest one because you then don't want to start impacting creativity by kind of putting in time constraints we're still working on that and trying to find kind of a happy medium between leadership and the people within the department it then unlocks interesting questions of like right what is quantifiable like what are we achieving here and what are we trying to do i asked him what his fears were about starting the trial that it becomes a new norm and then it drops but i'm really hoping that'll be successful so i think it could be pretty life-changing for a lot of people interesting when we catch up in a few months <laughs> you seem a bit nervous um I mean, it's I'm, I'm, yeah it is it is it is huge it is i thought that yeah were very interesting in terms of earning your days off and thinking very hard about each department on how they discover which metrics they're going to hit and also that so much of the discussion about shortening hours is about 
caring responsibilities and they're looking at activities that they can do on their own or with groups and also a lot of worries about making work more efficient is that you lose the social time and they're a company that spends a lot of time socialising together and they see each other on nights out and do a lot of sports activities and go on holidays together so it'd be interesting to see whether it frees them up to spend more time together in their free time. Yeah, and I, I thought the incentivising of it was fascinating. So tell me a bit about the final company you spoke to. So that's Stella Asset Management, and they're a very different environment. They were, when I met them, off Regent Street, quite an expensive part of town. They were all in Shirts, whereas Yo Telecom was much more informal. Like a straight-up office environment. Yeah. So this is Daryl Hine, the Chief Operating Officer. I think in this organisation, prior to the pandemic, we probably had an attitude of just expect people to come into the office five days a week, work whatever hours are necessary, the three-hour commute. That was just the norm. And I think that if this had come along as a suggestion pre-pandemic, it would have been perhaps a little bit harder to get our heads around how we think it can work. So Stella, like many other organisations post-pandemic, has decided to move to a more flexible work environment where staff can choose whether they want to work at home or in their shared workspace. So one day the CEO brought in an article about the planned four-day week global pilot scheme. And he kind of thrust it under the collective leadership team's nose and said, what do you think about this? I was surprised... But as I started to research the topic a little bit more detail, the penny started to drop that this could actually revolutionise the workplace. And when you start getting your head around the fact that the five-day week has been around for absolutely forever, going back to Henry Ford's days, perhaps we are ready for that change. So when I first went to see Stella, the company had been through about five weeks of the trial. But first it had gone through six weeks of preparation. So most staff have experienced up to five gift days, as we call them, in terms of the days off. I love the sound of a gift day, but what does that mean exactly? Well, the day off is more of a treat than an entitlement, I guess. So that's how they're interpreting the four-day week. So in return for doing 100% of the work, they get a free day off, which is their gift day. We deliberately call it a gift day because at the moment, we've not changed any contracts. We put it out as an offer for everybody to get involved in. But ultimately, we need to get 100% of outputs with 80% of our time, maintaining 100% of pay. So positioning this as a gift day, it kind of gives a, the mindset of that day is there, provided that we can get our work done. But even on your gift days, you have to stay alert. When it comes to a gift day, if an important meeting comes up and it needs to be attended, people will happily get involved and attend that meeting. And I think the title of Gift Day kind of positions it nicely as, yes, it's there, but we still got to get a job done. So this idea of the Gift Day is interesting, but can we actually call it a Gift Day if you still have to be responsive to work on your day off? I mean, I think the idea is that you won't be called on every Gift Day, and I think that it's really just there so that you know that should things go awry in the office or if you're called in on a meeting that you have to be responsive but I think people were planning things like going for walks or playing golf or doing professional development but it is the idea that it's not 
the weekend. It's different. It's almost like a liminal space between work and the weekend that we don't have at the moment. So they might be doing something quite groundbreaking there. I think they've done research in the past where if you even have to think that you have to answer an email or respond to a phone call, then you're still working. And that kind of puts you in a mindset that you're still a bit stressed. But if you're going for a nice walk in the country while you're looking at your email, that is a bonus. And if we're honest, most of us do look at our emails on our days off. Yeah, I wish I didn't, but I do. And I think this works as companies volunteer for the four-day week. But if it was become universal right, that would be very different. So there's a couple of ground rules in place at Stella in terms of how to operate the four-day week. We can't allow customer service to drop or change. So we're still open five days a week and normal working hours, and we're maintaining the same level of service that we did before. The second one was that each team has to operate effectively. So that will not mean that everybody can have one specific day off. So every individual member staff has chosen a day to have off, which works operationally within that team, but you can't chop and change it. You can't say, I'm going to have a Friday this week, a Wednesday next week, a Thursday the following week. It's got to be consistent through the whole process. In those early days, things seemed to be going well, but Daryl says there are a couple of areas that needed some extra attention. How do we maintain that same level of productivity and outputs that we've been focusing on as the four-day week becomes the norm? Are we going to slip back into old habits of longer meetings or meetings unnecessarily or whatever it might be? They're not insurmountable problems. They're just things to flag up now during the pilot and make sure we are conscious of how we're dealing with that. So the different way these companies have interpreted this trial is really interesting to me. Emma, what came across most strongly to you during those early visits? What was your overall impression? I guess just how much enthusiasm there is for trying something new. I mean, if you remember, this isn't a controlled experiment. These are business leaders who've already signed up to do something. And so they want to make it work, which is absolutely key. But also there's nervousness. There's a lot at stake. And just the idea that you have to really get down to the nitty-gritty of what your job is and how that interacts with other people in different departments. Yeah, I really appreciate their honesty. It's a big thing to come on this podcast. Yeah, it is. There's a pressure as well that they want to, A, make it work for themselves. How do they tell that they're not going to, you know, slog away and fit all their work into four days and then when they give it the green light that everyone's going to slack off again? But also, I guess, they want to make it work for other companies to show that they can do it. Yeah. So in the second episode, we're going to be hearing from staff at all four companies about how they feel about the trial at the start and also how it's going for them. Because surely we all want an extra day off a week. But is the extra planning and this compressed and possibly stressed shorter week actually worth it? Our companies all seem full of hope at the start of the trial. But will it last? With thanks to Emma Jacobs and the staff at Hutch, Yo Telecoms, Plattens and Stella for this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And please do get in touch with us. We want to hear from you and we're at workingit at ft.com or with me at Isabel Berwick on Twitter. If you're an FT subscriber, please sign up for our Working It newsletter for some behind-the-scenes extras from the podcast and exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters. 
Working It is produced by Novel for the Financial Times. Thanks to the producers Anna Sinfield and Floda Schlichting, executive producer Joe Wheeler, production assistants from Amalia Sortland and mix from Chris O'Shaughnessy. From the FT, we have editorial direction from Manuela Saragossa. Thanks for listening.